McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts from Bosby. Bosby are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi Pompey fans and welcome to episode 174 of the PO Forecast, aka Sickno FC. I am not Hugh Bunce, uh, but I've stepped into hosting duties tonight due to Hugh being slightly under the weather. I'm also slightly under the weather and, I mean, Fred is just perpetually ill. So, as you may have guessed, joining on the podcast this week, as usual, is Freddie Webb. Fred, how are you doing, my friend? I am not so bad. Very, Very happy this illness is going down. But I'm just annoyed that I the one Saturday I decided to miss to go and see my mates up in Newcastle, uh, Portsmouth won at home for the first time in four and a half months, which is typical, really. I should sell my season ticket to Pompey in the community and just not go to the ground ever again. Your words, Fred. What we need to do. Yeah. Your, your words, my friend. Nice. Nice to have you here. And making a debut on the PO forecast, we will find out whether it is a Jamal Lowe debut tearing it up or a Stephen Henderson debut tearing a hammy jack hancock jack we'll, welcome we'll, to the pod nice thank you we'll go somewhere in the middle i mean i do feel a bit like like an academy player who's been called up to play in the second round of the carabao cup that's kind of the level i'm at honestly the speed we're going down with illness you'll be hosting next week so yeah <laughs> um no thanks for coming on um obviously your analytics stuff has started taking off on twitter as well i think you've got more followers than the pfc coalition this week so uh done a good job with that so yeah nice to have you on board uh, yeah so- no, no plane either no plane no play needed, yeah, no advertising. <laughs> you just go on podcasts, don't need yeah. to get any banners out. So plan for this week. I mean, a week is a, a long time in football. This time last week, we were wondering what was going to happen in the Exeter City game and chatting to David Earl and telling him how awful Pompey were. One week on, six points out of six. Things are looking a little bit more rose-tinted. So today we will touch on the Exeter City game, crack on through the Pompey-Fleetwood game, which is a little bit more fresh in the memory and then talk through Peterborough away this weekend, which will be quite a stiff challenge, and just talk through anything Pompey, all things Pompey. So to kick it off, Exeter, fairly emotionally charged day. There's a bit going on for a a standard Saturday at Fratton. Got a a new boss on the touchline. Obviously, the the tributes going on to uh, Anton Walks and Ace Rewcastle and Steve McLennigan. There's a lot going on there in the ground. Jack, we started off a little bit slowly, I think it's fair to say. A couple of good saves from Matt Macy early doors to keep things goalless. Were you at all concerned at any point in the first half that this was just going to be a bit of same old script from the last few months? You know what? If So I, I think we started quite well in the first 10 minutes. There was definitely some good patterns of play there. And then we sort of reverted to, to type a bit and it looked a bit more like you know, Bassey ball and late, and late Cowley ball. But yeah, kind of playing within ourselves, quite quite deep, but almost afraid to take the risks. But if it wasn't for those ten minutes, I'd be more concerned. But going into halftime, I felt quietly confident. So there were signs that we uh, we looked better. But also, it's completely unrelated. I want to say the Exeter fans, what a credit to their club! Just astonishing, you know, just in terms of support, noise, their respect to the tributes. I think that's uh, yeah, that was great from them. Yeah, spot on. I actually was was going to mention that, before, uh, not the tribute specifically, but how I've gone from not really knowing anything about Exeter City to actively wanting them to do well <laughs> the rest of the season, purely from our conversation last week, just because I had such a good time chatting to, to uh, David Dull as our preview. I thought he was bloody hilarious. Um, and then on the day, yeah, as you say, loud fans, respected the tributes, etc. I'm genuinely going to be wanting them to do quite well for the rest of the season. So yeah, better play to Exeter City. Spot on. Fred, Matt Macy, some of the stuff I saw on Twitter after his signing wasn't what you'd call overwhelmingly positive. I think 
One comment was that it looks like he takes a tab of LSD before every game, immediately before kickoff. Had a really good game, uh, especially first half. Obviously kept another clean sheet against Fleetwood we'll come on to. What were your expectations from your research about Matt Macy and how did he meet them? Uh, from just the brief look that I did on Matt Macy, I didn't go in depth on him, to be honest with you. I thought, to be honest, <clears throat> at very best, he would be just a solid League One goalkeeper who would step in for the next six months. Wouldn't be amazing, but it, but I don't I didn't think he would be as bad as all the Howler blooper videos that are going around Twitter. I thought he'd be solid enough. And what a debut he had. He made a couple of excellent saves. One of them, when Sam Nombe was on the left-hand side, cutting on his right foot, curling shot, could have easily gone in the right-hand corner, but he had a strong hand. Then there was the one-touch play between Brown and Nombe outside the penalty area. Ball fell to Josh Key, and again, it was a similar save, diving to his left. There was a counter-attack, I think it was in the second half, where it was basically four-on-one four of Exeter City players. Brown dribbling into the penalty area, but Matt Macy straight off his line, closed, closed the angle down properly, made himself big, and made what would have been a clear-cut chance pretty much nothing. So yeah, I can be happier with the debut that he had. Um, I didn't really look at his distribution as much. I think we'll have to see how that goes long-term. But yeah, in terms of pure shot-stopping, command of his area, did excellently well in this game and arguably a man of the match performance, really. Yeah, distribution-wise, looked pretty keen to get it quickly out of hand um, if he was sort of playing it short, but also got an absolute thunderbastard of a kick on him as well. He's a big lad, isn't he? So, yeah, hopefully a bit of good variation there in the distribution. Yeah, the the, the uh, sorry, I think it was the second save he made. Yeah, we had uh, it was White who was highlighted last week in our preview, who's their their player on loan from Newcastle, who looked pretty decent. Really satisfying, sort of for me to have Brown and White teaming up together. Like when we had Marcus Bean and Matt Fish, just thematically, it's very satisfying. We really need to remind us of Marcus Bean and Matt Fish. <laughs> I think doesn't Marcus Bean sort of do bits on the Guardian Football Weekly occasionally? Now he's a guest presenter on there or a guest on there as well. He's um, it's he's the first time I've heard his name in about four years. Uh, as, as someone who's hungry a lot of the time, it was very satisfying when those two signed. But I guess let's let's go to the goal. Jack, I'll come to you as as the man who's obviously got the, the best volley technique out of the three of us here. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Talk us through uh Marlon Pack's finish there. Well, you know, it was really built from that that wide triangle out on the left. And yeah, you, you had Morel, who I thought was exceptional, by the way, in that really quite advanced eight. Role. He played that switch really quickly, and I was, I was honestly, I was baffled. Swanson managed to keep that in, and then put in a quite a dangerous ball for you know the circumstances. Obviously, yeah, doubled up on their defender, came to the edge of the box, and I, I don't even think it's worth analysing the strike because it was just unbelievable, unbelievable strike. David Norris esque, sure. yeah, yeah. I mean, how how tempting is it in that position just to take a swing at it and then get the quasi chance that are inevitable when it flies. <laughs> into sort of road JJ a bit further along from where, where our season tickets are. Yeah, the technique to sort of keep it down and the composure. He doesn't really do boring goals, does he? But I think, Jack, what you said there is something that I wanted to pick up on as well, is the ball in from Swanson. Because the ball out wide from Morel isn't exactly where Swanson is really expecting or wanting. I don't think it's slightly overhit. And yeah, the first time ball into the box on a bit of an awkward angle... I don't think it's really got the credit it deserved because the finish has kind of just taken all of the glitz quite rightly because it's a hell of a hit. But the quality of ball in from Swanson, he's he's been um, generally really consistent this season. And obviously the, the Spurs game is the standout because really was him and Morel were probably the best players on the park for us in that game. But yeah, putting in another good performance, playing on the right, looks dangerous going forward with balls into the box, Fred. And solid enough defensively. You mentioned that one-on-one -on -one chance earlier that Macy came out and smothered. Swanson was the player tracking back then that put a bit of pressure on Brown to stop it being quite as comfortable a finish. And he made him take that heavy touch. Have you been pretty impressed with uh, Swanson since the Spurs game when he really stepped it up? Absolutely, yeah. Um, <clears throat> arguably one of the signings of the season, looking back at it. Where it, it, it was a big miss when Rafferty got that injury. We all thought, oh God. Here we go. We're having to throw in Zach Swanson, but for a player we bought for a nominal fee, who many people didn't have a lot of expectation for, he settled in really nicely. And he's taken the spot away from Rafferty. When Rafferty comes back from injury, he's going to have to take Swanson's spot back again. And for that sort of player, 
it fits the transfer philosophy that the board have kept on saying they want to do for ages. A, a, a young player with with potential who's pretty much ready to step in now or slightly under it. Right. And I think what I like is he, he's good at both sides of the pitch. Fairly reliable defensively, tracks back really well, but can also, given time, link with a winger, skin a fullback, put in a reasonable cross. And in League One, that's what you want your fullbacks to do. You, you, you want them to be sort of complete players who can do a lot of everything and the best sides in this division have that. So Swanson's been a brilliant player. You mentioned how good Morel, how good of a game Morel had. <clears throat> I think both Morel and Pack were excellent in terms of they, they were given freedom to go forward. They're winning balls high at the pitch. The press in this game was excellent and the analytics show that. If you remember, passes allowed per defensive action, having a low rating is a high press. This was a 5.4 press, which is exceptionally high. And compared to the average, if I may, Bobby's average this season is 9.81, which is about a middling press. So they were very aggressive and that press was getting more intense all the way through the game as well, which is pretty much what the fans want to see, really. And it's very simple to say, but I think the 4 3 has helped with that a lot because you have Tony Cliff doing the gritty stuff, just being the anchor mopping up everything, allowing Morel and Pat to go forward properly and and get, in the get into the box in numbers, support the play forward. And that change really helped a lot as well. There was a lot of good changes, a lot of solid performances, and it's easy to say it's just a new manager bounce thing and there's more confidence, but it, it seemed to be a complete change from what, last 14 or so games that we've seen? Yeah, minus the Forest Green game, who are now looking for a manager. There's a lot of turnover going on down Haven't there. Haven't they the signed moment. eight players as well? Yeah, they gave the manager free reign to sign eight players and then got rid of him. Yeah, interesting, interesting <laughs> decision. Isn't it like Green Football Weekend or something as well? So it's really unfortunate timing. It's like Forest Green's only weekend in the sun and they haven't got a head coach. So anyway, that's a bit outside the scope of us because we're not playing Forest Green. A second goal... Morel misses a really good chance just beforehand, hitting a first-time chance over the bar that probably should do a lot better with, but he's Welsh and we love him, so we won't dwell on it. Scores soon afterwards. Uh, yeah, Fred, I will come to you as the goalkeeper of the three of us who um, can give us some pointers on uh, on the, the ex-keeper. I think it's Blackman's technique there for a, a really powerful first-time shot from Morel that he can't quite keep out. Uh, I'm no expert on goalkeeping. I, did, I was in goal the last five-a-side game I played, if that means anything. He didn't put his body behind his hands, did he? I mean, and that's why it, skim, it skimmed off him. Pretty much a howler, to be honest with you. Rarell doesn't have, with the amount of power he gets behind the shot, he doesn't have many right, much right to score there. But um, we take those, don't we? We take them all day long. That's the depth of goalkeeping analysis you only get on the PO forecast. <laughs> That's absolute techers. Yeah, he doesn't get behind it, does he? It's a pretty much a horror show. But anyway, we take it. Three points. It's what we needed after, what was it, one league win in 15 or something disgusting? More, like more than that. I think it was like 17. Was it? That's vile. Yeah. I mean, points 15. Just stop thinking after that. <laughs> yeah right yeah it's like Wimbledon last year yeah. you, just, you just sort of half glance at the results like oh they lost again <laughs> but um, yeah it's a bit different when it's your own club um, but yeah three points is the most important thing I think we grew into the game particularly second half you could see them starting to express themselves a bit more which it sounds like is going to be sort of the, the Messino like USP or whatever or way of operating is just you know go and enjoy yourself express yourself and then we go into Pompey Fleetwood so Fleetwood, I mean, faces we'd recognise. Enciala, who I swear we play against every three weeks. I, do, I, I swear. We, he just I, plays swear you, I swear he's your least favourite centre-half in the league. He's, I think he's the worst centre-half in the league. I would go out and say that. He's a, down he's a very left. cumbersome centre-half who doesn't he, move a lot. That's a Always very, gets booked as well. Yeah, exactly. Always. Absolute. Was it you who put money on it and tweeted it? No, I, I, I joke saying just put, put everything you've got on Enciala getting booked. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. Put that on. yeah, I thought I saw that on my on my timeline somewhere. Yeah. Pompey start pretty well. You could tell Fleetwoods were low on confidence. They'd lost three home games in a row before this match. And I was pretty underwhelmed, considering they're a Scott Brown side and you expect it to be a really hard work, gritty, feisty 90 minutes. 
I don't think Pompey got given that much of a hard time. Um, so yeah, we start pretty well. First goal, Fred, do you want to take the lead on it? Uh, it's Curtis and Morel doing well on the left. And then either an own goal or Bishop. I think it's gone to Bishop. It looked like an own goal to yeah, me. Yeah, it, it, it was given to Bishop in the end. Um, very good play by Curtis, actually, even though he slipped when he was on the ball. It was still somehow managed to retain the ball past two players, which I thought was mad. Morel given license to go forward, hence the tactical switch last time. Puts in a beautiful cross with the outside of his foot when he gets onto it. It was an excellent cross. And then Bishop doing what he's paid for, right in between, pretty much in between the centre-halves on the six-yard box line. Lovely finish into the corner. The XG, the XG graph liked it. Yeah, all good. All good. What does that lovely. mean? The, the XG graph liked it. What's that even mean, Fred? That's, that's nonsensical. It, it, it was just a decent XG chance. I'm with Fred on this one. I'm with Fred on this one. Oh, no. I forgot we brought in another absolute. Yeah. That's right. Go on, Jack. Support Fred. Go on. Tell me about XG for the game. I'm with Fred. I trust Fred. Is a man, you know, whose opinion I respect more than you, more than you. Let's be honest. Jesus. Let's be honest. We've really hit the dregs well, of the subs, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying you don't like respect the reliability of someone who just sits here and says what they saw rather than actually looking at what happened? Yeah. You're very much yeah. you're very much like the uh the Sean Raggett to Fred's Riley Taylor. I don't know how to take that, Jack. I'm just looking for... <laughs> there's definitely a Zoom option to kick people off the call. I've done it before. Uh, there's I'm, a mute option as well. Oh, sick. You, you, yeah, can't, you can't kick your, your, your students off the electrical, Andy, surely. I, I don't know if we're allowed to or not. It's frowned upon. Um, I've muted Jack, but I, I'm hoping he can find the unmute button because I can't I've actually unmute it. There we are. Good man, he's back. I've completely lost my train of thought because I've been completely ganged up on there by the stats crew. Uh, Jack, I'll come to you. Second off... I mean, we may as well just move straight on to sort of where the action happened in the second half. A couple of decent chances for Fleetwood. I think this was a good test upon because Fleetwood did come out and try and take a bit of control of the game early on. There's a couple of chances that go straight at Macy. What were your thoughts at this point uh, in terms of Pompey being the goal up? At this point, it's 11 versus 11. It's before Morel's red card. Are you at all concerned? Are you thinking that a one-goal lead is enough, if that's ever enough? What was the Pompey performance at this point shouting at you? Well, I'm going to go back a few months here, but I remember when Fleetwood came to Fratton Park, what was it, October, maybe November? That was the Fleetwood I kind of feared. And I thought they they sort of came, came back into that form. And I was a little bit concerned because, you know, it's really easy to concede a place like Highbury and then. You know, the players are judging themselves, you know, they're not trusting themselves, playing with themselves. And then it can kind of, you know, escalate from there. So I was slightly concerned. And obviously, Morel high five in the ball didn't help. But... Yeah, there are a couple of Fleetwood chances beforehand as well. They're getting back into the game a little bit. There was that free kick where Promise on Abachari managed to rise up above the centre half, but the header went straight at Macy, saved it where he used to be well. And then there was a low cross. I can't, I can't remember who put the ball in. But it's a vicious cross, cross through to Admiral Musquay right through the middle. Um, I believe he takes a touch there, a strong shot. Uh, Matt Macy did a really good save on that because it, just because of the power put behind the shot alone. Then there was the handbags between Morel and I think it was Omachari. I believe it was. I can't, I can't really remember, to be honest with you. Needless booking between the pair of them. I, I, I'm usually, I usually don't mind little handbag instance in, in, in games really it shows a bit of fights there but if that doesn't happen then the needless handball where it's pretty deliberate uh, just put a dent on a good game he was having to be honest with you because it put Pompey under it did put Pompey under the cosh a little bit so the Joe Morrell red cards yeah you touched on that in there Freddie uh, Jack a couple of yellow cards in quick succession the handball is something that you do at the park or at the rec or at school or college or uni or whatever, uh, when there isn't a referee, tends to be less successful when there is a referee and he's 10 yards away. But Pompey, almost maybe surprisingly, was still the more dangerous team after the red card, I thought. Do you think that made Fleetwood open up more in terms of going for the point against 10 men? Or did Pompey just put in a, a good compact performance and hit him on the break when it mattered? Yeah, I mean, you never want to see, you know, arguably one of your best players get sent off, but it was almost good to see us get challenged in a different way to, you know, the next to was or than the first half was. Yeah, they're definitely 
opened up more. I mean, you saw Scott Scott Brown you know, screaming at his players to get in the box uh, on the, on the sideline, and that, that did really afford us the opportunity to you know get high, play fast through you know Owen Dale and, and Curtis, uh, and ultimately you know led to quite a few set pieces as well that were obviously quite proficient at all of a sudden. Yeah, and then one of those set pieces results in the second goal. So good corner. Now we haven't got Josh Karoma taking these anymore. They can <laughs> beat the first man a little bit more, which is really exciting for us all. Um, Towler almost scoring his first goal for the club. Comes off the underside of the bar. And yeah, Freddie, really good to see Joe Piggott just in terms of getting a bit of a confidence boost. First to react. When the ball comes off Towler's head, Piggott isn't the closest to where the ball ends up. There are two or three Fleetwood defenders who are closer. But he reads the game quicker. And yeah, sick to see him get on the score sheet. Yeah, lo- lovely bit of six-yard box play from Pigger. Riley, uh, Riley Taylor was very unlucky not to score that header. Um, very nice cross into him. I can't remember who took the corner, though. But rose above his defender, bullet header. Very good save from Jay Lynch, the Fleetwood keeper, who I rate a lot. Um, tips it onto the bar. And then, like you said, Piggott wasn't even the closest to it. Managed to battle through some defenders. Put the ball pretty much into an open goal. Lovely stuff. I liked how the fact for his celebration, he pretty much tried to smack the ball back into the net again. <laughs> Which I rated. Didn't he miss and hit the post? Hit the I post, think he did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, it's a it's a brilliant thing to see two strikers scoring two goals in this sort of game. Um, that'll do pick up the world of good because I think he'd really suit this three four three as well. This four three four three three. I think he'd really suit it if if Bishop is either not fit enough to start or he has to be substituted. I think Pickett has the qualities to be the man behind him I think so it was a nice room to get a goal there and Pompey showed a lot of promise in other areas as well their progressive passing accuracy was high at nearly 74% their crossing accuracy was really good at 55.5% from nine crosses so they're not just flinging the ball into the box for the sake of it which I think was the case when the last few games under Gadani Cowley where especially when Hume started getting a few games they were quite methodical about it, but they weren't dilly-dallying on the ball. Their attacks were purposeful. And that's probably the biggest difference out of those two games. Whenever Pompey went forward, it was purposeful attacking and they actually knew what they wanted to do, which was a big, big change for me. And all smiles, six points. Slightly surprised, to be honest with you, but um, I- I'd take that all day long. Six points from two arguably difficult games. I think if you're unhappy with six points from two games, then you're setting your expectations a little bit high there. Fred. I, don't, I don't know what would make you happy. Um, also, the phrase dilly-dally is definitely underused on on Portsmouth podcasts. I think we need to oh, incorporate yeah. that more. Yeah. Actually. You mentioned the high press earlier, Fred, as well for Pompey. Um, almost created a goal. I think it was before our second goal. Um, I think it was, I want to say, Bishop closing down the keeper. And again, it was quite a choreographed high press that resulted in a bit of a Fleetwood nightmare in defence. Again, in terms of energy levels, being able to do that fairly deep into the second half of your second game in four days, pretty promising in terms of fitness levels. And yeah, six points from six, 10th in the table, games in hand. Lads, is it back on? <laughs> well, we do, we do, in the front three, we definitely got the players to press properly. I think with Curtis and Dale, we definitely got wingers who, when they're given licence to simplify their games and just be as aggressive as possible. I like that. And, and Bishop's always been a workhorse for centre-forward who always closes down every opportunity, always moving, getting in the right places. And the pressing stats show that. I think it was an average of 8.68 PPDA in this game, which is pretty much a rough average high press. And that was rising when Pompey scored their first goal. So that was another sign of positivity. And yeah, we'll see where we go. But we haven't done this in a while on the pod we need to play guess the xg again because we've got three people on and he winced horribly when i mentioned that and he's thinking i'm a dickhead for not putting it in the running order as well i'm no i i was just thinking how much i've enjoyed it not being a part of the last few weeks fred to be honest uh which game are we going for fred fleetwood or are we going we're, go, yeah, we're going for fleetwood through. we're going for fleetwood because that's closest in my memory we are going for Joe Piggott's goal. What is the expected goals or quality of chance for Joe Piggott's finish, which sealed a famous 2-0 win? Famous 2-0 win. Is this from the moment the ball lives, leaves his boot or the moment, yeah, the ball, so two yards out, centre of goal? 
Okay, Jack, I'll, I'll let you go. It's going to look like I'm doing it to be polite, but really I'm just going to <laughs> overcut or undercut you. See, I was going to go the other way around. I was going to say, you know, Andy, you go first, you know, set, a, set a bar. Nah, nah. Age before oh, beauty. Yeah, of course. I'm going to go 0.66. Chuck on two eye there. Isn't that like the devil's number, 66? Six, six? Or is that 66? Six, yeah. Six? Yeah. I don't think that's two eye. I think that's... If a penalty, what's a penalty, Fred? 0.75 or 0.8? 0.76 is a penalty. Right. I, I think it's it's a it's two yards out, for goodness sake. And the keeper's like not up. It's got to be around there. I'll go 0.76. I would go 0.67 just to piss you off, Jack. <laughs> I, I won't be that guy. It'll be six um, point, uh, 0.65. Sorry. What's that? If you go if you go 0.67, it'll definitely be 0.65. Yeah, and stroke. then I will I, I will kick you off the call. Um, <laughs> I will go... So what, Fred, I'll go 0.73, mate. For a man who really doesn't like this game, Andy is getting really good at it, to be honest with you. Not bang on, but closest. Uh, Scout have given Piggott's goalers 0.83 expected goals. Mm. Wow. So very high considering where, where it is. And not not yeah, bad for the, uh, the Sean Raggett of the podcast, hey, Hancock? That's a compliment. <laughs> we'll come to that in a minute because I'm going to ask your thoughts on on Riley Towler and Sean Raggett next up. So we'll find out how much of a compliment it was. But Fred, that's uh, that's great. I love Guess the XG. Fantastic. I'm um, sure you do. I'm sure you do. I'll buy you a customized baseball cap, which which has a which will have a Guess the XG logo on it. For your random offer. I will happily accept that next time we're at the brewery. Thank you, bud. Happily. I look awful in snapbacks, so I look forward to trying it on. So centre-back position, Riley Towler's come in and done, as far as I'm concerned, a, a very solid job so far. Uh, Jack, having previously compared myself to Sean Raggett and Freddie to Riley Towler, without using the word doors in your answer, because I know what you're like, would you... <laughs> well, <wheels>. like... <laughs> yeah, right. Would you like to talk us through um, Yeah, what your perceptions have been from the albeit limited game time you've had watching him so far? Look, I've, been, I've been really impressed with Riley. I mean, the first kind of no first twenty minutes of the Exeter game, he did look shaky and he did look a bit nervous. But you know, it was his home, full debut at home, big game, loads of emotions. So I let him off, and then you know after that, he just really grew in. Looks really comfortable, really you know really intelligent in the tackle, good range of passing as well. And then Ragged has looked, he looked pretty pretty competent, and that sounds like an insult, but. You know, the last couple of months, he's not looked, it's not looked great, let's be honest. So I think, you know, maybe, I know John Messino's simplified the game a bit more and that works for Raggett. But yeah, as a parent, I think it worked really well. Yeah. Raggett, Raggett always goes through those periods of yeah playing really well, seemingly blocking and heading everything away to, to periods where he's just making mistakes constantly and, and he turns up in your own six yard box playing everyone on side by four yards and you wonder <laughs> what happens well yeah I, I think we, we know what Sean Ragger is at this point he's a fairly solid league one centre half and yeah. when he's on form he's an asset to have either in the middle of a three I think he's more comfortable in the back four to be honest um, that supports him but when he's off form he's really off form he's really off form and it just I think I, I think uh, Debating on whether you moving on, uh, moving on in the summer, I think you need to look at what other defensive options you have first before we go into that. But it, hey, we'll, we'll see if uh, he gets into uh, Joe, John Messina's good books the rest of the season. Mm. Yeah, I think because of the style of football he plays, it's very, very obvious when he's off or when he makes a mistake because it's so aesthetically ungraceful I mean when it's working it's it's not aesthetically pleasing but it's really effective when it doesn't work and it's aesthetically messy and also costs you it just stands out like a sore thumb doesn't it but yeah as you said I mean with Clark Robertson out for the foreseeable by the sounds of it we're going to need both him and Towler to to continue in a decent decent reign of form. The other player I wanted to highlight from that last game was Ronan Curtis. I thought probably his best game in a Pompey shirt for a decent amount of time. Uh, Jack, what were you, what did you think about his performance in this game? Yeah, I thought it was electric, to be honest. It was really aggressive in the press, like Fred said. Uh, he looked really bright in his touches as well. I mean, he had a few dodgy ones, but you know he's not really played much recently. Uh, I thought he looked back to his best, to be honest. I mean, it's a shame he got the ankle injury. Hopefully that's not too bad because Jacobs is also injured. 
And then the other options behind him are fairly limited, let's be honest. Yeah, he looks quite heavily iced, didn't he, at the end of the game, yeah. which is a bit of a worry, but I guess we'll see. I mean, I've, I've learned not to second guess who isn't, isn't going to be fit for Pompey on a, on a Saturday. <laughs> um, what was the other thing I wanted to mention? Oh, yeah, Thompson. Is it possible for a player to get a yellow card suspension without actually starting any games? I think we're going to find out in the next couple of months. <laughs> Freddie, tactical foul, crunching tackle. How much are you enjoying seeing, uh, seeing Thompson get back stuck oh, in again I've after mi- his injury? I've missed it. I've missed it. I've missed it from the moment he puts in that tackle against Spurs. Immediately gets a booking about two minutes on the pitch. And I thought, yeah, that's my defensive midfielder. That, that, that's what I've missed for ages. And I think he'll really suit this system. I think he'll suit the system really well with uh, with his solid, solid ability to pass, his ability to cover the game. I think if he's the anchor in that midfield three next to Morel or Pack or Lowry or Pack, for example, that sets up long-term for a, a pretty solid midfield core, doesn't it? Sincerely hope so. Sweet. Tenth in the table, a couple of games in hand on some of the teams above us. Let's look forward to... Peterborough away so a few familiar faces uh, we'll be seeing on Saturday so Dan Butler likely to feature Nathan Thompson likely to feature a certain Ben Thompson Um, yeah it's going to be a different challenge I think from the last couple of games Posh went through a really really bad run of form that resulted in Grant McCann getting sacked Um, they've continued the Peterborough merry-go-round by re-re-re-signing uh, Darren Ferguson as their manager and uh, are experiencing a bit of a new manager bounce with a, a 2-0 win against a pretty good Port Vale side, you have to say, these days, uh, nine days ago. And yeah, a very different challenge, Fred. What are you expecting from the game uh, this weekend? I feel like it'd be quite end-to-end because it's now two sides that look to be aggressive and on the front foot. They like to press, they press high and then be aggressive when they're on the, ever on the ball and putting in some really good through balls. Peterborough have some very good players on their side. I think we know that already. Johnson, Cuck, Harris with 13 goals in the league, obviously a threat. And then you've got um, a cultured centre-half I really like in Ronnie Edwards. Not the, not the tallest, not, not, not the most physical, but very good positionally and his ability to have a range of passing on him is a very nice luxury in this division by any manner of means. They've got other very good players as well, like Joe Ward, Harrison. Joe Ward with seven assists. He's a very good creative outlet. Harrison Burrows. Kwame Poku in centre midfield, who I really like. I saw him at Colchester, I believe, when he was playing in League Two because he came through their youth academy and I really liked him then. He's getting more games this season. They have weapons in this side. One interesting thing, though, since they've bought Darren Ferguson, this would be a good exercise. Would you have been more convinced with a Darren Ferguson appointment than a John Massino one? Looking back at Darren Ferguson's managerial history or merry-go-round, Peter had gone for something they know already and have tried several times, whereas Pompey had gone in a completely new direction completely. Which one would you have been more satisfied with? say, a week ago before these results? I think Ferguson's got a history of alienating a fan base. Mm. And uh, I think his personality type with the Pompey fan base personality type, I think that's uh, that has the risk of being Red Bull to a flag. I don't know, Jack, what do you think? Yeah, I was going to say the exact same. He's been really frosty in the media at times. And, you know, he's not the most savoury character, let's say. And I remember doing a tweet when Cowley got sacked, kind of joking about the ranking possible appointments. I put Darren Ferguson right at the bottom of possible appointments. But it just kind of works for me, Peter, but I don't know why. Some managers just get drawn to certain clubs, I guess, but four times. Let's see if he works four times as well. It's like having sort of two ex-girlfriends and you can't quite decide which one you want to spend your life with. So you just... Yeah. So yeah, you mentioned there uh, Johnson Clark Harris, obviously it's a danger man or a danger man for Peter Brafred. I think what jumps out is that whilst he is joint top goal scorer for the league, goal conversion is the lowest in the top seven. So he scored 13, but his goal conversion is only 22% of chances, 
And you compare that to, to Colby Bishop, who's converting 35% of his chances. And what that suggests is that Clark Harris is, you know, having a load of chances created for him. They're making a load of goal scoring opportunities. So are yet extremely dangerous going forward. And I mean, this has to be a team that's looking at the playoffs as a minimum realistically, surely. Um, at the end of the season, they're sitting in eighth at the moment, uh, having played the same number of games as Pompey. Um, sorry, eighth at the moment, playing the same number of games as Pompey with one extra point. So this is a really good chance for Pompey to, again, leapfrog up the table a little bit. And if we win our games in hand, as we've been saying for three months, we could be there or thereabouts. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't win any of our games in hand up to this point. But yeah, you never know. Fred, what is a good result for Pompey from this? Are you taking a point or are you saying, no, no, look, new manager bounce or new head coach bounce, three points is a must? Uh, I'd be happy with a point against Peaceborough, even though they have been hit and miss, just like Pompey have all season. They're a side with a lot of quality in it. And it might be a case of if Pompey are on top, Peterborough got a good selection of players who can make something out of nothing or can have one counter-attack that can make something out of nothing and suddenly it's 1-0. They just have that ability, it seems, to create chances. I've never been fully convinced by them defensively for a long time, even though I mentioned a centre-half as a key player. But going forward, they've just got so many options, haven't they? They're just one of those sides. And Pompey needs to be defensively at their best to be able to get a result against them, really, and to be able to take their chances when they get them. Cool. In which case, we'll go score predictions, lads. Jack, to you first. Predictions, uh, goal scorers. Oh, 1-0. And Dale to, to finally score. Fred? I'm going to go a bit more positive, actually. I'm going to go with a 2-1 Ports of win. Obviously, if he plays Ben Thompson scoring for Peterborough because, it, well, so law, wouldn't it? And then a brace from Colby Bishop because we're actually giving him chances now. And I think he'll kick on from there because with that very good goal conversion percentage that Andy mentioned. So you, you say that, Fred. I don't I don't think any ex-Pompey players have actually scored against us this season because you predict it every week on the pod. I don't remember it actually ever happening at any point. So you're obviously... I haven't been that many played. this season, actually. It was last season where it was something ridiculous. Mm. It was like even Gasson had me scoring for Burton. And the four one ports of win. <laughs> it, it would be stuff like that, and you just think, oh, brilliant. But well, Chaplin obviously scored that. That Griffiths, yeah, true. Oh, yes, yeah, of course yeah. he did. Yeah, Harry, yeah, yeah, true. Okay, yeah, one. I'll allow one. AOB, Fred. The in in the loosest possible terms, protest. There, I've heard there was a plane. What do we think, Fred? Was it the right time? Was it the right place? I've been thinking about this a fair bit actually because. My initial reaction was it was the wrong place, wrong time, especially with um, the free tributes that were going on in the game. That was the main thing for me, for Walks, McLennan and uh, Rucastle. If they had to do a protest on that day, bearing in mind those things, even though it seems stupid, the plane was probably the least obtrusive way of doing it. Would you rather there was a group of one, 200 Pompey fans in a corner of a stand with flags? Or would you rather a plane going over the pitch where really it was showing their message and they're not really interrupting either the fans' chance or the game in any way, thinking about it, even though it seems stupid to say. For the process itself, some of their points were, well, they're fairly valid. They just wanted Pompey to communicate the promises that the board have made six years ago or so. They wanted, they wanted more info on the plans to increase capacity at Fratton Park and what they think the final capacity will be, which they haven't mentioned. They want the board to show the plan to make the academy a fundamental success at the club, which it seems like the academy has been a, you know, an afterthought for a long time, even though some people who I've spoken to think it's getting a bit better now. And also the club, uh, the club's plans to get promotion with a sustainable budget, which is probably the biggest one. And then having a sustainable, sustainable budget in the championship to get to the Premier League. None of that is that unreasonable because the communication from the board has been poor this season compared to last. We mentioned the lack of monthly Q&As, haven't we? Which have just disappeared since uh, Mark Catlin left. And also the editing of minutes at certain meetings, that, that went down like a lead balloon. 
I don't think the protest was that bad, but uh, because at first I was worried about it. I thought it would be more obtrusive and more clicky than it was, if that makes sense. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think in terms of the written piece, there were some really, really valid points, 100%. And if it's written as a piece where they're seeking clarification over you know, four or five key questions they want directly answered, I'm com- completely on board. I think the way that the written piece was bookended with some quite abrasive, antagonistic, no idea, no plan, whatever it is, I think you kind of undermine the rational, valid part of it by being so abrasive with the first thing you say and being so abrasive with the last thing you say. And I agree with you in terms of the, I mean, the plane being certainly a preferred option for me rather than, you know, it, people being on the pitch, for example, on, on a day where there were that many tributes with a new a new uh, head coach. It would have been entirely inappropriate and grossly inappropriate and I think would have had a really negative reaction. So it's certainly the least offensive of the options they could have gone for. Um, having said that, I don't think it was necessary. I think if they'd put that the written piece together as they did, made it slightly less abrasive and kept those key points in, which are valid, I think it would have been received slightly better. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with both you guys. They It almost felt like there was two halves of that, was it PFCC? Half of them wanted this just big event, the, the plane. Another half were quite rational, I thought. And I actually agreed with quite a few of their points in the, in the document. Uh, and yeah, it's kind of left a sour taste in my mouth because I thought, you know, I was actually quite with you guys with the document and the, you know, the writing they put out and then the plane is like, come on guys, you're better than this. But ultimately, you know, I've engaged with it on Twitter a little bit. It got more, got more eyes on the protest. Then ultimately that's what they want. So, you know, I'd say it probably worked in their eyes, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's not as, it's not black and white. Yeah. I, do, I think they would strengthen it if there was, if there were names on it. I think yeah. in, in academia where, where I work, for example, if you write a paper on something or a position statement, it gets signed by whatever number of academics are on board and whoever signs it and the number of people give it that weight. Whereas this, I mean, this isn't, I'm not saying it's just three people in a dark room. It's not, it's obviously larger than that, but we have no idea if it's 10 people, 20 people, a hundred people, whether they're former board members, whether they're, you know, just some, you know, whether it's Pompey in Canberra sitting over there with his Aussie contingent, getting a bit aggy from 10,000 miles away, shout out Pompey in Canberra, or, or like our North Wales Pompey club, or like it's it could be anyone. And I think that kind of takes away from the impact they could have. But yeah, I think it was worth mentioning, Fred. I agree. I know you said you wanted to mention it before the pod. I think it's worth mentioning. Hopefully that's a fairly fair appraisal of it. And Fred, the other thing you said you wanted to mention just before we finished up was the uh, the Simon Jordan and Danny Cowley interview uh, on, was it on TalkSport fairly recently? Do you want to give us a bit of a lowdown of that? Because neither Jack nor I listened directly to it. Yeah, it was um, an interview on um, Jim White's show on TalkSport. Jim White being the Sky Sports presenter. The only other small bits of news before I go into that is, essentially it was reported that the current plans are, aside from Michael Morrison, probably going to Cambridge United. Pompey don't want to sell any more players. So they're going to keep with what they have, but they're looking to add before the end of January. Positionally, John Massino's main target is a centre-half and he's not looking for a centre-forward. I think that's, in summary, the only other line that I found. And then there are reports of Pompey being linked with Bailey Wright from Sunderland. I think it was first came out at an SB Nation um, fan website, one which have pretty good contacts. Andy Moon dismissed it. John Bassino in the news said he knows about Bailey and think he's an excellent player, but he spent most of the past two days prepping for Tuesday rather than speaking to the head of recruitment and the recruitment team. So that's where we are on that. So with TalkSport, Jim White and Simon Jordan, um, first of all, they talked about Pompey's methods, um, particularly transfers. I found Simon Jordan was a bit old school with this, but I've directly quoted him, so I'll let you guys make up your own minds. He said of the club, they can't have it both both ways. It's all well and good saying you want a sustainable football club. We all want that. Everybody wants to be an owner who doesn't have to keep putting his hand in his pocket. But to get to a point where you're sustainable, you have to invest. And you simply cannot suggest young players as a solution. He added the the philosophies of bringing in young players and having um, reliable success on the pitch don't match. 
And he effectively said that more investment in the playing squad is needed. In my opinion, there's a caveat there with young players. You have to sign the right young players. You have to sign young players with either first-team experience or with a pedigree that can step into League One as either a backup to a position or a starter. And that requires a good scouting network and a good recruitment network, which arguably Pompey haven't had for a few years. That Simon Jordan quote for me doesn't take into account that. It's quite old school going down the route of, you know, Alan Hansen's you can't win anything with kids. So he's basically inferring that without signing high reputation players at this level, Pompey are going to get promoted. I think that's the message that I'm getting from that quote anyway. I'm not sure what you guys think. I don't want to, you know, Slate talks about too much here, but they are a company that has a reputation for looking for clicks and looking for those views and trying to antagonise people. And I actually quite respect Simon Jordan, so I'm not too biased in that. I think it is a bit old manny, it's a bit, bit fossily saying, you know, you can't win anything with kids. He has a point to an extent and that maybe the investment isn't quite there the calibre of player we're getting isn't quite good enough. Yeah, I think you've got to take it with a pinch of salt, really. Yeah, we won't go too hard on TalkSport. No, there? we'll leave them alone. <laughs> we, we were on there last week. <laughs> they approached us for... A, I love TalkSport. We, talk we, we want to keep those relationships going. So honestly, best, yeah, possibly the best radio station out there. Not at all yeah, controversial. And I'm, you know, Jim White and uh, and yeah, Simon Jordan, very, very contemporary with their views. Uh, no, I, I completely agree, actually, with both of you. I think sometimes you feel like there's almost a sort of old man yells at cloud kind of vibe to it um, and it's very easy to make the sort of critique externally to the club and you know I'm, I'm fairly certain that Simon Jordan isn't following the club to the same degree or in the same depth as you know the three of us are for example or any Pompey real Pompey fans are on a on a day-to-day week-to-week basis so I think he's just for me throwing some pretty generic criticisms out there that he would do to any other club in the league in a similar position without really knowing the individual circumstances of the club and the feel of the fan base. That's just my view on it. Um, but Danny Cowley has always came across as a thoroughly good bloke because he is a thoroughly good bloke, um, which, yeah, not not surprising news that. Uh, Fred, anything else you wanted to bring to the table today? Mate? Yeah, the, another bit of the TalkSport interview, and the only last point I'll say on the Simon Jordan thing is, comparatively compared to the other names and big clubs, if you want to use those terms, in the division. Pompey have spent less, so he's probably looked at that and then gone to that conclusion, which for a point where he can't possibly research every club in the Football League and the Premier League in depth for shows, because he has to jump, because radio shows they jump around all the time. Fair enough. I don't entirely agree with him, but some more investment in the playing squad would be nice. Danny Cow- Cowley was also on that talk sports show, which is why it got a lot of attention in the first place. Uh, he backed John Bassino personally. He meant he mentioned the club needed to communicate well with its fans for that appointment to be a success. Effectively saying what the plan is under Bassino, what they're looking for, what the transfer policy will be, what the um, the tactical philosophy will be as well. Cowley said he finishes UF Pro license with uh, Bassino and described him as really intelligent, articulate, and he has all the attributes. But the remit there is that they, the club really wants to develop young players, recruit young players, and have success at the same time. So they want to have their cake and eat it. I mean, it's, it's essentially, yeah, we want to, it's like I want to, you know, ethically source all my food and buy fresh, but I also don't want to spend more than four pounds on a meal. Well, that's kind of like, the, the analogy that jumps into my head. Yeah, I think it, I mean, Cowley's not going to come on there, even if he wasn't a nice bloke, even if he was a terrible bloke, he wasn't going to go on and say, actually, no, Messino's a dickhead. Is he? He's like, it's just not going to be the vibe if you ever want to be employable again. Uh, yeah, it was, I, I heard a couple of sort of clips of it. I didn't listen to the whole show and I still find myself agreeing with him. And what I really found, I think, difficult about our, our wait to hire a new coach here, and you guys might disagree with me on this, is that I, I was trying to reset my brain a bit from uh, from the fact that we just had Danny and Nicky Cowley as sort of leading the club. And I was thinking, right, we're in this position, uh, in on a bad run of form, bad couple of months. How would I feel if we announced Danny and Nicky Cowley as our new first team coaches? And I was like, I'd quite like that. I think that'd be quite good. Um, if I sort of forgot the fact that they'd just been coaching us. I might be in a minority with that. I don't know. Yeah, on that, uh, on that point, it's a shame it didn't work. Really, they were nice guys, had a tactical philosophy, but it just 
I think even with, I think the, these two games, past two wins, have compounded the fact that there was. I don't think it seems very unlikely there was going to be a turnaround long term. I think they might have scraped some results together and finished the table under the Cowleys, but I think the end point of that wasn't going to go anywhere, which was a shame. And even though I was slightly frustrated by the, the only thing that frustrated me about the recruitment process was the phrase where they said, we're going to sack Danny Cowley because we think this is the best option promotion. Then you take two weeks and then you bring in a head coach, which looks like a long-term move. I think that's the only thing that really frustrated me, at least just, say it even though it's even though that might have got some mire with the fans communication wise that's a lot better isn't it rather than sending out mixed messages but no uh, I'm going to stay reserved on the senior appointment because it's only been two games but I am really glad that it started positively and it hasn't just spiraled already I think this club needed those wins needed them really badly for sure. Absolutely. Love the positivity to finish up on there, Fred. Freddie, always a pleasure, never a chore. We'll we will, uh, sum things up there. Thank you for coming back, Fred. Always lovely to chat to you. Yeah, always a pleasure. Thank you, Andy. And uh, yeah, I'll be going to uh, the Peterborough game on Saturday if my ticket actually turns up to my house. So uh, yeah, we'll, hopefully we'll uh, see a much needed Pompey win to go for free on the spin. Beautiful. Jack, hope you've enjoyed your debut. Yeah, it's great, mate. Thank you. I was just about to give you a social media shout out so people know where to find you. Um, I do follow you, but just typed in Jack Hancock, clicked on the first one, and it's a six foot four hundred eighty five pound American footballer That's from me. Melbourne, That's Florida. Me. That's me, yeah. And yeah. Um, I can tell from looking at you know your your facial structure and your shoulder width that you are definitely under yeah, eighty twenty five pounds. Yeah, of course, mate. Yeah. Um, but you know, do you want to give people a um, do you want to give people a, a shout to where they can find your analytics channel or your personal Twitter? Yeah, it's just at Hancock Analysis. Don't look at the shortened version because it is not not uh, PG, especially because it's before the watershed. Yeah, just at Hancock Analysis and Twitter. Is that intentional, by the way? I saw this No, no. That's an unfortunate no. coincidence. <laughs> I think it was Russ at Forgotten Pompey Goals pointed out, wasn't yeah. it? Sort of took a screen yeah, yeah, grab. Was. Oh, brutal. Yeah, well, enjoy um, Hancock Anal and I uh, hope it well, goes yeah. well for you. So no okay. OnlyFans. <laughs> I'd subscribe uh, especially <laughs> if you're 6'4 and 185 pounds exactly um, beautiful <laughs> cheers boys right on to Peterborough we go thanks for listening everyone hopefully our supreme leader Bunce will be back and in good health next week Bunce get better we love you lots and uh, hopefully all of our lateral flows stay negative so take it easy have a great week everyone and play up Pompey You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle.